You're listening to the 515 Podcast, led by Pastor John Wayne McMahon with Kingwood United Methodist Church in Kingwood, Texas. Thanks for downloading. Greetings, and welcome to episode 30 of the 515 Podcast. Um, this is Jason Priestmar here with John Wayne McMahon. John, we are just playing through this. I swear, just last week it was like episode 29 or something, and <laughs> we've been just 30. full speed ahead. 30 is big. It is a big one. It's a nice, even number. Mm-hmm. That's why it looks good. So... Um, this past week, you were on another one of your, I call them bubble episodes. Your sermon was not a part of a bigger series that will resume yeah. shortly, I'm, I'm sure, because, mm-hmm. uh, Christmas time is coming. And I actually missed this week because yeah. I was out of town doing some, uh, Thanksgiving traveling. Yeah. What'd you do? Which was awesome. We went, uh, camping out at Garner State Park. Nice. And I have not camped in many years. Yeah. And I've never been with my my wife i've been with my daughters we did the whole ymca thing several years back um i kind of upped our game we rented an rv and didn't you know didn't like touch the ground too much if we could avoid it but uh we had a great time we were with my uh son-in-law's family Mm -hmm. so we had a big uh there's about 10 or so of us out there um we had a lot did you deep fry a turkey out there we didn't no we did we went after thanksgiving oh y'all went right yeah so we 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 were there through the weekend we crammed on all the thanksgiving uh vittles we could and then uh got in the rv and family truckster and went across the country (laughs) to big old long drive but it was uh, i mean it was great that's Uh, cool we had a great time so uh as a result i missed church this weekend which is great because there's a podcast I could just Minus listen to. Minus one mark. I know. Oh, come on. <laughs> I had to edit the podcast. Yeah, you had to do it. Yeah. And uh, I feel like I was there, at least in, in spirit I was. So. Yeah, so uh, I preached in the sanctuary this week. Okay. A lot happened this week, by Sounds the way. Like we it. waited for you to leave town and we threw a big party. Man, okay. <laughs> so, no, but um, Chris Harrison preached in the Vine this week. And so if you'd like to hear about his trip to Africa, mm-hmm. I encourage you to check out the Vine podcast. Um, I preached in a sanctuary and I did something com- really completely different. Not, I mean, same idea. I mean, we both talked about the same kind of stuff, but mine was based on a, interestingly, a paper, or at least I thought it was interesting, a paper <laughs> I wrote over two years ago about evangelism in the context of King William United Methodist Church. And no one had seen this paper. Oh, interesting. Um, but I wrote it critiquing some things that we were doing either consciously or probably subconsciously Mm -hmm. in the way that we approach evangelism. And so that was titled the dirty E word. And so if you missed that, I encourage you to go check it out because we're not going to go all the way through everything. Um, It was a lot. Uh, Or if you'd like to hear some more of those thoughts, you can email me and and we'll we'll let, um, I'll share that with you. Either my sermon notes or the paper itself has some more details. The paper is really academic and so <laughs> yeah uh, might be hard it may be kind of boring it just may be boring like that's always my worry like i don't think anybody wants to read my reading stuff. a paper i i hated writing papers see i, I love it i love it much. and oh i love gosh. i love reading papers too so, wow okay yeah. but that's why i'm a nerd i can tell yeah so so this is all about evangelism yeah yeah and and um the dirty e word that's the dirty e word and, and I definitely were, was trying to put myself back, way back in the in yeah. the past. What mm-hmm. when I first heard vaginalism or yeah. growing up, what I heard it. What did that? What is that? What memories does that bring yeah. back to me? Yeah. What? So what popped in your head? Uh, the very first thing, 
uh, growing up in Texas is uh, Jim and Tammy Faye Baker. <laughs> and just really any Sunday morning. Yeah. Sundays were the worst as a kid because Saturdays you had all the cartoons and stuff. But yeah. Sundays is like, oh, there's all this church on TV. When was when were they real big? In the 80s, yeah. I think. Because yeah, uh, I remember them, but I was a child. Like yeah, was, you would. But I remember them carrying over into the 90s. Or at least I knew they were still notorious. I don't know if that's the right word. But. Right. They're, they're, they were a big... I mean, they were a household name. Yeah, I think yeah, across yeah. the country, yeah, even yeah. so. Now, I think evang- televangelism is probably bigger in the South. I yeah. think. Oh yeah, it but, is. But yeah, yeah. um, definitely, I mean, they were lampooned on Saturday Night Live at the time. Yeah, and there was Phil Hartman was one of the right. guys. He did the gym, and his impressions were just great. So people look forward to that. But, yeah. Um, that's the first thing that jumps yeah. in my head, and just really now, I think you should of, put their but, picture in the the show notes. That'd be great. <laughs> I, the, the first, I was funny, I, I just looked for an image search, and yeah. the first thing I found, I was like, oh, there they are, and I clicked on it. It was actually the SNL parody. It was, oh, the, yeah. it was the actual company. Yeah, that's But they that's look the so, I mean, you know, imitation. It's is, like when the impersonation becomes more popular exactly. than the person. Yes. I don't know what that says, but it's not great. No, it's not. But but it, the heart of it is, it, is, like, the subject of what we were talking about this week, too, was this misunderstanding maybe misconstrual of what evangelism is Mm -hmm. and like the same thing like when i was thinking i'm thinking of street there was always a there was always a preacher i shared on sunday on aggie football days around walking around kyle field with a megaphone and he was yelling at the girls that were wearing shorts that were too short or the guys that were double fisting beers right or uh, there was a guy at Sam Houston that was doing the same thing when I was at school there. Same he here. In the I, courtyard. I that he might have. He might have been. Might have been the same guy. <laughs> yeah, probably. He was an old dude when I was there. Yeah. So he might have been doing it forever. Um, but just a real negative, dirty connotation to evangelism. I think at some point. The other thing is like that's one we can laugh at, but I think there's a more subtle uh, misconception of evangelism, and that can just be this this idea of saving souls or apologetic mm-hmm. approach to witnessing. So evangelism then is reserved for the person, the one person, the expert or whoever it is, a resident expert that can sit down and and talk to a, a Muslim or you mm-hmm. know or non-believer or you know whatever it is and and try to convince them about Jesus just saving souls mentality or you think of churches that just try to just whatever they can do to to gain conversions like and and evangelism is converting but I argued Sunday and continue to argue that that it's something more than that and so what if evangelism is simply more than saving souls? You yeah, know? Uh-huh. and that's a that's an interesting line of thought that that I think is important for the church to think about because if it's more than just saving souls, um, if we've reduced it to something that's way too um, way too specific or too small or too narrow of a approach, then we have also reduced the role or the identity of the person that can actually do evangelism. Mm-hmm. And I want to stress that we all do evangelism. And as a matter of fact, the church itself is evangelistic by the way that they live in the world. And so I encourage you guys, if you haven't um, had a chance to, to hear the sermon, to, to I, I lay out those with some critiques of the 
the church and some different ideas that that I think that we see play out in different parts of our lives yeah. and, and the church, and I think that's interesting. Yeah, I think it's interesting that in your sermon, you you know, you reference some because you wrote the paper mm-hmm. as an observer of this, right. this church. Right. When I was only you. here for, yeah. I had only been here for about six months. Yeah. So I think that's really interesting to mm-hmm. get your, at that time, very much an outsider, kind of your point of view of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but more importantly, um, how do we as Christians live our daily lives um, in either direct reflection of what you talked about yeah. or in contrast to that? And, yeah. and, and, I say this all the time, but when you're at work, uh, what what do you do that is evangelistic yeah. or um, can show others, you know, your faith? Right. And so that's where we, we have to work to get past some, some uh, bad defi- definitions we have. Mm-hmm. If evangelism is only simply convincing someone of faith or convincing someone to believe in Jesus— mm-hmm. Uh, then it becomes like about a mode or a method. It becomes about the right words and the right answers to questions at the right time and the right circumstances. That's all evangelism becomes in that view. But what if evangelism is much more broader? And so I made the case that evangelism is any way that the the community that has Christ part of the fellowship Mm -hmm. that has been transformed by Jesus, that is witnessing to the reign of God, in the world. And so that can look like all kinds of different things. It yeah. doesn't look like necessarily sitting down uh, with your coworker and trying to, to show them the Romans road. Like here's, here's, um, here's where we know that Christ died for our sin. Mm-hmm. He who knew no sin became sin so that we could uh, know the righteousness of God. Here's how you pray this prayer. Here's how you become. It's what if it's more than, what if it's more about how a community responds in a hurricane uh, that is witnessing to yeah. God's uh, love, hope, and peace in the world um, that is possible even in the midst of tragedy. Mm. What if that's evangelistic? What if every time we uh, gather, you know, I got to do a See You at the Pole this this year at an elementary school. What if... That's where you go up on, on a school day right before Yeah, class and they gather to pray, and, and, but there was other people from our church community that were there just to be there. Okay. And so what if all of that is evangelistic? Yeah. And what if... Um, what if every time that a small group is out eating dinner somewhere and they just get to love on their waiter or something like that? Mm-hmm. What if that's evangelistic and it has nothing to do with getting right down to the if you died today, yeah. do you know where you're going like that? What if it's like that's just too narrow and too small? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the approach that that we looked at. Brian Stone says, um, you know, and he's kind of quoting another scholar named John Howard Yoder. He describes the witness of the church being evangelistic when it is subversive politically, economically, and socially to the culture that we live in. Um, so when we think subversive, what, what do you think of when you think of the word subversive? Uh, I have, That has a kind of a negative connotation. It can, yeah. I mean, that's like a... a uh, one of your typical hippies protesting you. Yeah, yeah. Protest. You think protesting? You think protest. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of what jumps to mind. Yeah, and I don't and I don't think that's what that means. And let, so let me try and unpack. Okay. Well, what what it means here? Because yeah. if we say that evangelism is just the church um, protesting funerals, like some church that mm-hmm. we know of, or something like that, yeah, that's sure. the wrong kind of subversive. What if subversive is more about? Instead of holding a mirror up to the world and reflecting the world uh, values back to the world, 
what if then the church is now a window through which the world sees the kingdom of God? So what if the church community becomes just other than what the world is around them? And so what it means to be subversive, for example, economically, is the church is going to, um, they're going to spend their money and, and live their lives in a way that is that is different than the world that is around them. Mm-hmm. Um, we, as Christians, are peculiar, and we need to be comfortable with that. I say that all the time. And when we grasp um, that, that God has transformed us, has turned us kind of upside down in our value systems, has helped us to see the least, the last, and the lost when the world would actually push the marginalized further to the margins, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like that is what this is saying, is that the evangelistic community is the one that has morals and ethics that are actually raised above the world that is around us. It doesn't mean we go on our Facebook and we wag our finger right. at everyone. It just means we hold ourselves to a whole different standard, a different plane. It's not plane that you're, you're trying to be superior yeah. to everybody yeah. else, but you're trying to be more of an, an example. Right. And not a brow, uh, proud, boastful an example, but you right. know, actual actual... So, so performing. Yeah. Know. So to be subversive socially, if you're in college, it means you're not going out and getting plastered every Friday and Saturday right. night because that's yeah, not right. the center of who you are. That mm-hmm. doesn't hold your identity is different than what's going on around you. Um, if if it's, uh, you know, instead of all of your social activities surrounding but with just watching football with mm-hmm. a bunch of dudes, maybe that football time becomes something that's actually more life-giving and holistic and it's just other it's just a little bit different yeah what if as individuals we have those values that stand out in a crowd because that's that that right there becomes more evangelistic and mm-hmm. the way that we witness to the world around us and i think that that's critical and that's key and and that's part of expanding this definition of what evangelism looks like cool yeah and so i think that's really important and the reason why um i think the 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 main issue that I wanted us to, to see is that evangelism is um, that which the transformed community is witnessing to the reign of God in the, in the world. So, um, for example, I, I used this illustration Sunday with a with a lifeboat. And so, like, imagine that we're all just kind of stuck in the ocean. We're mm-hmm. all just kind of floating around. Jason, you're you're just kind of trying to keep your head above water and and trying not to drown. And along comes this lifeboat that um, throws you a life vest. Yeah. And like that would keep you. That would help you. Yeah. You know, like that would save you. Quote air mm-hmm. quotes like um, from drowning at least for a while. Right. Um, but what would be better? Would it be that or would it be if that, that ship comes by, throws a line to you and brings you into the boat yeah. so that you can be a part of a people? And I wanted to stress that that doesn't remove the whole boat from the waves and the trials and the difficulties that, that mm, we may face. Yeah. But it rather is bringing someone in to be part of a community that's been transformed by Jesus, that has each other, that um, is relating to each other and have been changed relationally. And that's what we that's what we're created for is that kind of relational like connection. And 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 I think that that is is so important. So evangelism becomes the center of everything that we do in the church community. It's the center of everything that we are. It becomes less about bringing people to a decision, throwing them the life Mm -hmm. vest, and more about the formation of a person to orient their lives alongside a community, all moving on a journey. And so now evangelism becomes less about getting someone to the doorstep 
of faith and more holistically, it's about helping a person reorient their lives to go on a journey because the Christian faith is more than just coming to the cross and realizing that I'm a sinner and I'm in need of a savior. It's about Jesus gives me the power to overcome the difficulties and struggles that I face. He heals me. He um, can redeem brokenness that has been in my life. He can bring me through just absolute mess and redeem, um, bring bring beauty out of ashes and continue to change me and transform me. That's evangelism is when the church community helps a person go along that journey yeah. and witnesses to the world about that journey. Does that, is that shift things a little oh, bit yeah i mean uh, I'm, I'm sitting here still thinking about that that ship metaphor yeah and like that's that you know the boat can then take that person to the shore and say okay here you go you're, you're free to go but pro, you know what if that person decides to stay on the boat mm-hmm. and and to join them now on yeah scavenging uh, searching through the waters yeah. for other people that are that's exactly <laughs> that right. are sinking you know so that, that i lost i hope. like that yeah. That have lost peace, that have lost joy, that don't know what it is to love anymore. Or they've, they've been burned in the past yeah. by church or religion, you know, some sort of experience right. to show them that that's not necessarily your memory or your your sore um, recollection of it is not necessarily the way it has to be. Yeah. So one more, and this is another quote that I shared Sunday, but um, this is from Brian Stone. He's he's a he talks about evangelism a lot. A scholar that has focused on evangelism. He says to offer Christ is to offer the reign of God. And so I want to stop there. If we believe that God is on his throne, this past Sunday was Christ the King Sunday. Mm-hmm. And that's where we celebrate the the authority, the the power, the, um, uh, the reign of God, even in the midst of difficulty and struggles and evil and things that happen in this world. We know that Christ is the king and he will return and make all things new. And so mm-hmm. we declare that it's part of who we are. And so to offer Christ is to offer a place, a kingdom that is centered around that truth mm-hmm. that God is alive and he's on the throne proclaimed by Christ present in him. Cause we believe Jesus is with us as right. part of the community and offered to the world in his life, death and resurrection. That is, um, a freedom and healing and redemption. The church offers Christ by telling his story and also by embodying that story and its worship, its ministry and obedience. So everything that we do becomes evangelistic mm-hmm. then. But while this offer has experiential and cognitive dimensions, it is not in the first place the offer of an experience of Christ or a set of beliefs about Christ. And here's the last place I want to pause. It is not only telling people to come have some kind of magical experience or religious experience. That's not all it is. And so uh, kids, we try to manipulate, not manipulate, but we try to put them in a place where they might have a religious experience. Mm -hmm, But it's not only that. That's not all Christ or evangelism is. And it's also not just offering a set of beliefs. Like, here's all the beliefs that we have. If you can follow these and pray the sinner's prayer, then you're in. It's more than that. (laughs) It is the offer um, to be a part of a people. To offer of Christ is instead the offer of a peoplehood, of participation in a body. It is the offer of a way and a formation by the Spirit into that way. And so I think that that's that's the broad, that's the holistic, that's the one that gets at the heart of of who we are as Christians um, and the 
cool thing is that in the Methodist church, that's really important because that's really characteristic to who Methodists are in the earlier Westland movement and going on. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that, and that's a good segue because um, you could probably ask any member in attendance on Sunday who John Wesley is and mm-hmm. Charles Wesley, and they're, they they would get either exactly Something right, right. <laughs> or, yeah, or part of it. Yeah. And, but... Um, I don't. I would be interested to know how many really know all about this whole small group kind of mentality, yeah. uh, and how important that was uh, at the formation of the Methodist Church. And would like for you to go ahead and talk about kind of that. You know, what? How does this dovetail into evangel? Or not even dovetail. It's probably a, a direct correlation. You know. Well, and like the other thing, like I hope people remember the um, movements of grace. One of my favorite sermon series that we've done. Because it gets and and the and here let me let me say this the way what I offered Sunday and what I f- believe to be true the answer for uh, KUMC and for mm-hmm. the church to reclaim evangelism is very deep discipleship yeah and we see that issue all over the place uh, in the movements of grace we looked at those ten transformational stops that go if you weren't with us it, I'm gonna quickly try and cover them but it goes from being completely ignorant of sin like just not like just not caring yeah. like not having a bent towards Christianity and whatever um, so that's stop one and then becoming like aware of sin but indifferent to mm-hmm. it and then um, becoming bothered by sin and wanting to change and then there's a salvation one in step five where you are aware of your sin confess your sin and give yourself to the Lord but steps uh, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, like nine and ten being profound love of God profound love of people what we came to find out was um, 89% of Christians say that they're somewhere on steps one through five yeah and only 11% are going on to this profound love of God and profound love of people. And the the that the key is, is that we're only getting half of the gospel out there in the Christian church. The other half is that we can truly be changed. And so how could we possibly offer this hope, joy, and peace of Jesus Christ if we haven't fully lived into that hope, joy, and peace in our own lives mm-hmm. and haven't been changed by that. And so that Movements of Grace was getting us to think about that. The Wesleyan movement fully understood that. Um, they were centered around discipleship. They had something called the class meeting where um, it was a requirement to be a Methodist. You had to be in the class meeting. It wasn't even about church. It was about <laughs> the class meeting first and foremost. Yeah. And that was where men and women would gather together in a small group and they would discuss how their love of God um, is changing their life. How are you experiencing God's love uh, shed abroad in your heart? How is how have you seen God working in you mm-hmm. over the last several days? They would meet weekly, so that's very critical. Um, how are you witnessing to your faith? How are you sticking to the disciplines, scripture, prayer, fasting, uh, the sacraments, all of that? Um, and how are you serving? How are you giving to the poor and things like that? Yeah. And so for a small group to gather together and talk about that, now we are we are taking our faith, uh, we're taking ownership of our faith and we're putting that into play. And that was huge. And that made the whole Methodist movement so evangelistic that it wasn't even funny because (laughs) they were now practicing what they believed in and they were encouraging one another in these small groups. It sounds simple, but it's transformative. And it's, it's, it's the coolest thing that I've seen in ministry when groups are doing something like that. And that's that's really important. So the Methodist movement just 
explodes. And yes, there was John Wesley and Charles Wesley and Francis Asbury and Thomas Koch and all these guys that were riding on horseback and going from town to town and they were preaching in open fields and there was conversions all over the place. But what made the Methodist movement, which changed the world, which changed who we are and led to the United States and the, Mm -hmm. the, um, all of what's happened was a formation of what, who the United States were early on. Um, and you were telling me earlier that other uh, outsiders to the church actually identified with you know those Methodists yeah. because of that. Yeah, that's exactly and right. That, that's how. That's it, exactly right. So one one historian said this about the Methodist Church: uh, Methodist has been faithful to its mission. That was defined, and this is written in um, the late nineteen, late eighteen hundreds. Wow. Methodist has been faithful to its mission. That was defined by John Wesley as the spread of scriptural holiness, and amongst the most characteristic means he employed was the gathering together of seriously minded people into classes for mutual help and edification. Then he goes on to predict. Methodism will either retain her peculiarities, especially the class meeting, or ceasing to have a character of her own, she will range herself with the colorless churches that are Christian institutions and answer a Christian purpose, but the coexistence of which side by side can be defended on no sound principle of economy, efficiency, or need. Essentially, this historian is saying that if the Methodist church loses this deep discipleship at their identity, Mm -hmm. they will stop being important in the world. And my argument Sunday and my argument moving forward and what I've become convinced of is that this is who we are. And when we're not holding to this, I think this is pretty accurate that there's nothing distinctive about our church and who we are. Interesting. And so I think where we've seen the most powerful and beautiful things at KUMC has been because of very deep discipleship that has changed people's lives from the inside out, and therefore they are flowing into the world around them. They are a city on a hill. They are salt Mm -hmm. of the earth, and they're different. And so that's, that's huge. That's huge. Big time. So we've been a part of one. You've been a part of one. I know. So you, I, I listened to the sermon. You yeah. alluded to this group and how you tricked them all into I did. this. And I can attest to it. That's absolutely correct. I yeah. had no idea what I was getting. Yeah. So I started, I started a class meeting of a bunch of uh, potential leaders and people that I thought were ready for the next step in their faith, including uh, Sir Jason here and his <laughs> wife, Emily. Um, and I pastor shamed them. I just kind of like tricked them into coming. I did that thing where pastors go, I think God's calling you to yeah. dot, 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 you know, yeah. like, and, uh, and basically didn't give them a whole lot of information, but then led them on this journey. And I mean, say, say, say a little bit about it. I mean, it. It, Emily, and I were just talking about this last night, you know, this, we've really seen a lot of difference in this group and just kind of the conversations we've had and the in the um, the depth of the conversations we had and, and the meaning to them, but not just in us, but in all the other people in the group. So yeah. when it first started, and now that I know that there's a system and there's this book that kind of yeah, yeah for you outlines mm-hmm. how to do this to people. When we first started, it was just a bunch of strangers in the room together. Some of the people knew each other. Some of them were yeah. uh, in the same you know Sunday school class or whatever. Um, but we were all, to me, all strangers. Yeah. And it very quickly became a lot deeper than that and we we formed some pretty fast relationships yeah just in a in the few weeks i mean it's an eight-week course right yeah um and we've been talking about okay now what does this mean what does this turn into yeah Uh, how do we continue this um and is it a 
do we start another group mm-hmm. or do we break off and form a smaller group? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then even then it, it, that grows and probably, you know, it's it's the whole you yeah. form a group and bring others into it and then spread it out and then split off again. So and it's been a it's been yeah. remarkable. Like in we'll be at like nine weeks this week, I mm-hmm. think. And um, we've seen crazy things. We've seen people like truly experience like some healings and miracles yeah. and oh, yeah. and medical breakthroughs and things they were really like dreading having to face and just spiritual breakthroughs and and being able to to be with a a tough family member or marriages Mm -hmm. like that have been struggling and like um just these stories that keep coming out people praying for each other and just seeing success coming that yeah and and saying you know i was going through this yeah i knew that you were praying for me yeah and it comforted me and it it, it got me through it and that's that's amazing yeah that's huge because and here's the critical thing and the reason why i think this is so big is we have a lot of small groups we have a lot of Sunday schools, but I wonder how many of our groups go from Bible study to Bible study to Bible study. Mm-hmm. And we get a lot of answers, and we know more mm-hmm. than when we began, but I wonder how much of it is truly changing us mm-hmm. and affecting how our families are existing, how we're working in our, our workplaces, how how our faith has truly been taken on. Uh, in the way we live, and that's why this is so critical, and I think why we're seeing such fruit. The other thing is, is, and I keep, I joke with y'all. I'm not, I'm not doing anything revolutionary, right? <laughs> like, I, I'm just there to guide, and 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 we're learning what it means to guide some of this yeah. discussion. But the book's not revolutionary. Um, the even the Methodist early Methodist movement, none of that's revolutionary, but it's biblical, yeah. and it's exactly how Jesus discipled, and it makes like, of course, that would make sense. Yeah, like that real. God would honor that and show up because that's what we see in the scripture he does that he he brings his disciples with him and he simply says come and and do life with me and Mm -hmm. and follow me and and learn from me and so uh yeah that's been huge and we could go on and on i just want to say that know that if you're hearing this and you you're wanting that you're coveting that in your life um we're doing another round i'm going to lead another group Mm -hmm. uh next next year right after the first of the year when the table starts again on wednesday nights and we're gonna we're just gonna cycle through these for as many times as I can find some folks that that are interested in going on this journey that want to see what deep discipleship looks like in their lives uh, and be changed by that. And and I think that's where KUMC will see uh, one one person praying about our group uh, during the fall. She said, "I had a vision that this was like." a drop of water falling into the ocean and it would send ripples out all yeah. over the place. And I believe that I, I do believe that. And so, um, that's coming up. I'm excited about that. I do want to challenge anyone that's listening, um, to consider how your small group that you're in currently, if you are in one, yeah. uh, how, how has that been transformative and how can you make it more transformative? Mm-hmm. How can your group further help you to encourage one another in love to um, take on the uh, redemption and the power of God's grace in your life so that your life is continuing on in this journey to become more like Christ, to, to be shaped more into the image of Christ and the way that we were designed. And so that's my challenge. Like, how is your group yeah. there? Um, and to think about that moving forward. Does that make sense? That's great. So if you get approached by John Wayne in the few mo- next yeah. coming months, 
don't run away. Yeah. Go, go with it. Yeah, Trust please. Me. Just give it a shot. And if you feel like um, you're already ready for that and you're looking for more, yeah. then you go find him. Yeah, please do. Please do. <laughs> yeah. It's hard. We have a big church, so it's hard for it me is. to find everybody. And, and I don't know. I, I can't tell who, who all's going, where where everyone is in their journey. Yeah. Um, but I do know that this is something God, I think God desires. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he led me to the group that's together right now and, and put that group together. And so I think he'll put the next one together. So I'm excited about that. I think that. he will. Yeah. Definitely. Well, I've talked a whole lot. I think that's, we're probably in pretty good shape. We're yeah. starting We're starting Advent this week, friends. I know this was a, that was going to be my kind of just really quick uh, sneak preview of what's to come. Yeah. Um, I think we all know what Christmas is and what Advent's about. Yeah. But uh, this is going to be a great, great opportunity for us to go even deeper into each one of those weekly messages. Yeah, right. So I'm personally looking forward to that. Uh, yeah, we're, we're going to lean into what it means to uh, reclaim hope, joy, peace, and love in our lives and how Christ coming into the world does that. Yeah. Uh, you're going to see some cool thematic stuff that comes out and all kinds of surprises. And I have no foreknowledge of any of this yeah. right now. So I'm like yeah. generally on the edge of my seat. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I paid for the whole chair, but I'm losing the <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. a lot of cool stuff going on. Um, We've got some friends that are coming to lead worship for us in a cool. couple weeks. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm excited about that, Johnny and Brianna. Um, of course, all of, all of our band that's so awesome, they'll be in the vine too. And so a lot of cool traditional yeah. uh, worship stuff that are that we're dialing up. Um, we're going to try and stream. Yeah, I'm, I'm terrified of that because uh, we're gonna, that's on my shoulders. <laughs> but I'm looking forward. I'm looking at Jason right now. He I just know. got uh, big eyed. We're going to try and stream our vine services uh, onto social media. Yeah. So we're excited about that. So a lot of cool stuff going on, um, but emergence, uh, uh, not emergent, immediate uh, opportunity yeah. is this Saturday yeah. to get people to come. Yeah, this Saturday, friends, if you're available, starting at eight a.m. in the gym, we are building out some of our themes. Uh, we're going to decorate the church, and what we're doing is we're reclaiming wood from the hurricane uh, cool. and we're building out some of our sets and mm-hmm. the decorations are going around the church that goes into our theme that God is, is going to reclaim that in our lives as well. And so uh, we need your help. So come on. Uh, this sat- isn't quite like a UM Army level of effort. No, this is uh, really easy. Pretty, pretty this is, low. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Anybody can do this. <laughs> awesome. All right. And we've got people that are ready to lead. And okay, so you okay, just need good. to show up. Come anytime. You don't have to be there at eight. So if you can't come right away, then yeah. come when you can. And help us out, and that would be awesome. I think that's, I think that's probably pretty good. That's great. So let's uh, be ready for that and get ready for Advent. Yeah. And we'll see you back here yeah. next week. Yeah. Praying for you guys. Have a good week. Take care. All right.